glad that you're here, you know, as well. Uh, those kids are for hire, you know, if you're looking for somebody to, to paint your house, for watching online, you know, uh, just go ahead and call Trevor. He'd love to hook you up with some free labor, you know, uh, not guaranteeing where the paint will go, but it should be a great experience for all. Hey, next week, uh, we're so excited because John Van Epp, the guy who created the biblical understanding of relationships on how it looks in our real lives, will actually be here live. Uh, he's coming, you know, to Valley Real Life on uh, the Thursday as well as Sunday, and you'll be able to see him online as well. So very, very excited as we kind of preliminarily kick that off next week. Uh, as you know, we've been in this series called uh, Impact, and, and the first week we talked about the importance and the opportunity that God gives us to impact people who are far from God. And we talked about Zacchaeus. And then last week, we talked about serving and the importance of serving. And so it's progressively getting more challenging and difficult as you've gone through this series. And here's what I want to kind of prepare you for. Buckle up, because this one may be the most challenging of all, and yet it could be one of the most impactful of all three as it relates to what it looks like to impact others through financial giving. Now, we give financially to what we love. All right, we give financially to what we love. Like, like for example, and you're going to see me use this, you know, a couple times, you know, what you love, you see this thing that's attached to it called money. And, and you see this, you know, all the time on a regular basis. Like, for example, you know, for me, uh, it's very easy for me to drop money on gifts, especially Christmas time. I love Christmas time. Uh, I don't know if it's a childhood thing, but I just love being able to give gifts to friends and family. Uh, it's so easy for me to drop money on, on uh, sporting experiences, you know, watching the Seahawks or Huskies, you know, whatever that may be. I just love being able to participate in those things or helping my kids to excel at something that they're passionate about. Easy for me to drop some dollars there. Now, in talking with a, a bunch of other men, you know, I know that, uh, guys, uh, it's very easy for us to spend a lot of money on hockey. Hobbies, right? Hobbies, interests. Now, I'm talking about baseball cards to classic cars. You know, you see all these guys are investing as a hobby from Lego sets to Lego movies. You know, we've seen that on a regular basis from outdoor recreation, like hunting or fishing, boating, camping, to the latest and greatest tech gadgets. You know, we, we see this investment in these things. Now, talking with a bunch of gals, you know, uh, they said it's super easy for them to drop money, and ladies, you can uh, confer with this or not, since I'm not a gal, on home decor, right? It's not, not hard. Hobby Lobby, Target, easy to spend a few dollars uh, because you got to get good pics for in Instagram and Pinterest, you know, is, uh, is what I've heard. Um, easy to spend money, gals, on kids. Very easy to spend money on them, hanging out with girlfriends over coffee, eating lunches with others, you know, as well as other experiences. Now, we love to do these and other things, and you know that you love to do something when it's so tempting and easy when you don't have the money to go into debt over those things. Now, that's when you really know you love something. You're like, okay, I'm not even thinking twice. I'm willing to go into debt over something that I actually love. Could be the spur of the moment. Could be something that's planned out, which is why every year we offer what's called Financial Peace University. Next one's coming up in January to help you kind of modify that love you know, as it pertains to your credit card. And so I want to encourage you that that's coming up in January. Now, none of what I've mentioned is wrong, but it does show what we love and what we love has has impact in our lives, right? So you nod your heads if you agree. What we love has impact in our lives. I don't know if you've ever taken a trip with a family, and it was a phenomenal trip. 
I mean, one that you're just like, we're going to remember this the rest of our lives. I mean, I don't remember a lot of my childhood, but what I do remember are the trips that I took with my family, the camping experiences, you know, the the rides in the back of station wagons with mattresses and no seatbelt from Seattle to California. And we lived. We lived to tell about it. I mean, but uh, I don't know how we did, but, you know, that was just one of the things that we did. Now, it was about 10 years ago that uh, my father, my dad, was not doing well physically. Uh, He had an incurable autoimmune disease, and we all knew that his time was short. So uh, I came to my dad, and I said, hey, dad, you know, is there something that you would like to do before you pass away and go to heaven to be with Jesus? And uh, is there any regrets? Is there something that you just like, man, if I wish I had more time, I would have. And the interesting thing that he said back to me was, Dan, I I wish I would have seen more of the world. I wish I'd have gone to different places. And I don't know where I got this idea, but uh, I knew that my dad loved Disney. He loved the creative nature and the details behind Disney. And uh, I thought for a second, I'm like, you know what? He has not been to Disney World. And so um, I, I got to my immediate family together and talked to mom and dad, and they were open for us to take one trip together to Disney World so we could go to one of the lands called Epcot. And at Epcot, they have all these different lands that's representing different places in the world, and it's fairly authentic you know, to be able to, to visit Paris and visit the Netherlands and visit some of these other places and kind of have that experience. And so he agreed you know, that he would be willing to do so. And, and actually, even one of our favorite places was actually to go to the Animal Kingdom where it would be his only trip to go on a safari, you know, if you've been on the safari ride. So that's a, that's a picture, you know, that you see of our trip together. Uh, that trip, you know, for our family of four, you know, at the time, plus my two uh, parents and eight days was several thousands of dollars. And we couldn't afford all that, but words started getting out, you know, about this trip and my dad's kind of last wish to be able to kind of go on. And so friends and family members out of their love for my dad began to donate $5, $50, $100, in order for him to be able to go on this trip. Uh, I can tell you it was the most memorable trip of my lifetime. You know, to be able to spend that time with my father. uh, And coincidentally, uh, my youngest son, Alex, uh, his birthday actually fell on the trip where he turned five. And so we had a chance to celebrate our birthday, you know, with him, with grandfather at that time. And it's something that I'll never forget because dad passed away four months later, you know, on June 12th. See, we give to what we love. I don't even second guess how much that trip cost. I would have paid three times as much in order to have those memories and have that experience with my father, with my kids, and with our immediate family. It's not about the cost. It's about the impact that my dad had made in my life. And it was a way to be able to experience and give back to someone that I love. I wonder... Have you ever been impacted by Jesus? If you're a follower of Christ, the, the answer should be yes. Uh, and now, for me, obviously, I've been impacted by Jesus when I accepted him, but let me, let me go a step further. Uh, I think about some of the experiences where I was deeply impacted by Jesus in the course of my lifetime. Uh, I remember the first time I accepted Christ was not actually at a church. It was actually at a Christian camp. 
you know, that I went to. I, I, I think about the many camps that I went to in middle school as well as in high school and what an impact that was in my life to have those experiences. And I know that, that our high school students and middle school students, you have this on a regular basis. I also remember the mission trips that I went on, you know, to Tijuana or Mexico City or Russia or Ukraine or Romania, you know, in like a six-year span. And what an incredible impact that made in my relationship with Jesus Christ through these camps and these experiences. In fact, there was a season in early on before I went to middle school that my life was not headed in a good direction. And my parents, through their wisdom, pulled me out of school and put me into a Christian school in order to try to help surround me with different choice of friends than the trajectory I was going in. And I can tell you it made an incredible impact in my relationship with Christ and with other people. But guess what? Schools, camps, mission trips cost thousands of dollars, but I am forever grateful for the resources that were given by my parents, by my family, and by my friends for them to want and see Jesus impact my life in those spiritual ways that wouldn't have happened without the financial. See, as a response to the impact that Jesus has in our lives, we have an opportunity to give back to him. And it's through our finances, through our resources. First Chronicles 29 verse 13 says, Oh, our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we could give anything to you because everything that we have actually comes from you and we give you only what you first gave us. So in other words, it all belongs to God anyway. I mean, he owns the heavens and the earth and all the people and all the creation. And so it's not like God needs our money. But what happens is, is that when we understand that God is the one who gives us these resources, then there is a great impact in us that takes place when we begin to entrust God with those resources as it relates to our connection with Christ. Then there's an opportunity that God uses through us when we give those resources that benefit other people, as I experienced at the camps and at the mission trips and in the church services and all that kind of stuff. See, this great impact in and through us takes place as we give to Jesus and his kingdom. Uh, you, you might remember, if you were here for the last couple of weeks, is when we talked about the story of Zacchaeus. You notice that when Jesus saw him, you know, wee little man up in the tree, said, I'm going to your house today. He calls him down, goes to his house, and because of the impact that Jesus had in his life, how did Zacchaeus respond? Notice this again in verse 8. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor. Lord, and if I've cheated people of their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. His response was financial in nature. That he says, wow, the impact that Jesus has given me, I want to respond. And this is one of the ways that I know that I'm gonna be, I've been impacted that I want to impact other people. See, trusting God with resources dramatically impacts our faith. It impacts us. It really does. Proverbs 11.25 says, the generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Isn't it, more, isn't it true that it's more blessed to give than it is to receive? And when you give to other people, when you see impact that's being made, how it impacts you. It's funny that you're giving, but you're the one that's being impacted. In Luke 6, 8 says, give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount that you get back. So it's this idea of, of being able to give and then all of a sudden you're the one that receives as it pertains to your faith and trust in him. In fact, the Apostle Paul, who wrote most of our New Testament, 
Uh, the second time he had gone through the cities where he planted these churches, he would then went through the second time by asking for a specific offering. And he was asking for an offering that would be taken back to the church in Jerusalem with those who are really suffering and those uh, who, are, who are being persecuted as well as the poor. And so this is where we pick up in 2 Corinthians 9, 9 through 13, upon asking the church in Corinth for this gift. As the scriptures say, they shall freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and the bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Notice what's going to happen to you if you find yourself being generous. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. So not only does it impact you and you're going to be enriched, but watch what happens when you give to other people. So two good things will result from this ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. As a result of your ministry, they will give glory to God. The impact that you're making because of your gifts is going to impact others for Christ for all eternity. For your generosity to them and to all the believers will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Jesus Christ, which grows your faith. So this is this twofold thing that happens when you're impacted by Christ. You give, entrusting yourself, the resources to God. You're impacted, and then God uses those gifts to impact other people. See, trusting God with resources impacts others through his church and his kingdom. If I just take a second and just talk just, just right here at Valley Real Life, think about how God has used the resources he's provided to you, how that's impacted you as you gave, but how it's impacted other people. I can't tell you how much celebration and joy that I've talked to so many of you when we took our Christmas Eve offering and over $300,000 came in for medical debt. And we're in knowing that we're helping other people, the impact it was going to make to them, but I saw that God impacted you. Or over 180,000 has been given to the Uganda for the widows' house, widows who are actually taking care of orphans to be able to build houses for them. And as I've talked to you, you're like, I'm the one that's touched. And then you talk to the widows over there, and they're like, no, no, we're the one that's touched, and everybody's praising God. Because Jesus is the one that's impacting us, and we're being able to give freely to that. You know, we, we've, we've seen, you know, over the course of the last year, the Christmas boxes, the, the coffee cart for teachers, the, 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 the grab bags for the frontline, you know, uh, Valley house workers, the, the, those in the Philippines and China, and the list goes on and on and on. And as you become aware of that impact, it increases your level of faith, and all of a sudden, you're impacting other people because of your generosity. That's awesome. And we see the impact that takes play, place through stuff like giving. Now, think about you know, the impact you know, in your and others' lives as you've been a part of just Valley Real Life. Think about the impact that you've received and the impact that's taken place in your life. In other words, you come to a facility that most of you did not contribute to. It just didn't just pop up. You know, I know the government's giving out free money, but they weren't giving out free money when we were looking to build a facility. Okay? So they didn't do that. And so people sacrificed, and they sacrificed greatly, knowing that someday you would be here, and so would I. Sitting on this stage, you would be sitting in that seat. Why? So that you would be impacted for Christ. 
That was the reason and they gave and they found joy in the opportunity to give so that that would take place in your life and they thought the next generation. In the kids area, in the youth area, through CR ministry. I mean, so many different things that happen in proximity. This is just a tool, but it's a tool that's used by God that impacts all of us every single week, whether you're watching online or you're here in the building. I wonder if you process it that way. Jesus, how have you impacted my life? And then you ask, am I then given the great privilege and opportunity to impact others? How do I do that if I'm not yet there? In other words, how can I start or continue to experience that impact in my and others' faith through faith through giving? It starts by looking at our own God-given resources. See, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, do not store up treasures here on earth where moth eat them and rust destroys them, and where thieves break in and steal. Now, let me be clear. Jesus is not saying that you should not have any savings. That's not what he's saying. It would contradict God's word in the Old Testament. But what he's challenging is how much is enough? How much is enough? See, when someone asks, hey, show me your stuff, what do you respond with? Okay, as you start processing Well, I'm going to show them my garage, or you're going to show them your third car garage. Maybe it's the detached garage. Maybe it's a pole barn, or maybe it's a storage unit. How much is enough? And I wrestle with, I'll be honest with you, I wrestle with this all the time. Something I wrestle with in this affluent American culture that we live in. Like, let me me give you something that just shocked me this week. Did you know that one of the fastest growing industries in America today is storage units? It's one of the fastest growing industries in today. It's true. Look it up. In fact, according to AARP, Americans this year, Americans this year will spend $37.5 billion on storage units. $37.5 billion to store stuff. How much is enough? That's what Jesus is challenging, you know, the hearers even back in, they, the, in, in those days. Now, now, think about like the homes that we live in just for just a second. Just, just process that. Now, I know you might hear from, from pastors like myself who, say, who tells their kids, you better eat your dinner or else, you know, starving kids in Africa and we're going to send it to them. And, you know, I, those are at least things that my dad said to me. And, you know, it was scared me half to death until I realized, I'm like, wait, wouldn't it get moldy by the time, you know, but anyway, so... So, you know, uh, sometimes when pastors can say this, they're like, you know, hey, you know, uh, be thankful for the homes that you have. Consider the homes that you could be living in right now or not living in right now in Haiti or in Africa, Afghanistan and all, and all these other places, you know, in the world. But that's one comparison, one culture to another. Let's just look at our own culture for just a second. This was startling to me. Let's look back at our own culture when it comes to homes and home sizes. Did you know in the 1950s, This is only in America. The average new home build was 983 square feet of floor space. And it housed 3.3 people on average. In the 1960s, the average new home size grew to 1,200 square feet. In the 70s, 1,500 square feet. In the 80s, 1,740 square feet. It had doubled in 40 years. 
In the 90s, the average new home size was over 2,000 square feet. In the 2000s, it was 2,200 square feet. In the 2010s and today, the average new home build is 24 to 2,500 square feet. Two and a half size from the 1950s, and the average number of people that live in the home is 2.6. So we have decreased the size of the families, but grown two and a half times what is the normal average home in America today based on today's stats from our culture compared to 1950. Now, I'm not trying to judge or shame you or myself. I'm in this as well. The key is impact. And giving financially to things or people that we love. And where does Jesus fit into this? Or is it always more and more and more as it pertains to us? That impact only says, I care about me. And God wants so much more for you. And he wants to do so much more through you to impact others for Jesus Christ. Jesus goes on to say, store your treasures in heaven. Where moth and rust cannot destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. In other words, give financially to things and people that have impact for all eternity. Doesn't mean you can't have these things, but are you giving to things that will have an impact? Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Now, and remember when I started, I said this. I said, hey, you notice what you love, we give to. What you love, and you all agreed. We give to on a regular basis, but that's not what the Bible says. If you've been around, you've heard me say this before. It says where your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. What you give to, your heart follows. So if, what's fascinating about this is I've seen this in my own life. I did not care anything about soccer until my kids started playing soccer and I started contributing to soccer. All of a sudden, I cared a lot more about soccer than ever before. Now, I love Genesis Prep. It's a Christian school, you know, in Post Falls, you know, and our adopted daughter needed a place where there was smaller classrooms where she could grow, and so we enrolled her in Genesis Prep. I liked Genesis Prep, but when I started having to give to Genesis Prep, guess what? I started loving Genesis Prep. It's fascinating that the things that you and I may not love on a regular basis, when we begin to give to those things, our heart follows so you might be a person that says, you know what, I, I usually don't give to God. I usually don't give an impact to God. I don't, can't afford to give, and there's all these reasons to do. But here's what I can tell you. When you start getting, giving, God's word says your heart starts following. And you find yourself being impacted by that truth and that reality in your life. So how can I continue to be impacted by Jesus and see the impact in others? So first, evaluate what you are giving to. Figure out how much enough is enough. And secondly, if you're not giving regularly, start today. Watch the impact that will take place in your life, not because of a have to, but because of Christ's impact in your life you get a chance to. Proverbs 39 says, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. Begin to start that habit now. It doesn't matter how much or how often, just, just make it regular and a habit. Uh, next, if you're giving regularly, consider giving a constant tithe. That word tithe means 
Now, this is where, you know, some people say, well, that's legalistic, and it's not mentioned in the New Testament, and, and it's none of those things. In fact, that's just not true, historically and otherwise. And in fact, it was just so commonplace, you know, in the New Testament church, which I'll get to in just a second, but Jesus himself mentions it. He mentions it in uh, Luke chapter 11, verse 42. What sorrow awaits you Pharisees? For you're careful to tithe, even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore justice for the love of, and the love of God. You should tithe, yes. Jesus' words. You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. Is tithing the most important thing? No. He's talking about these other things most important, but he says this is important for your benefit and for your trust in God. It's not a financial issue. It's a relationship issue. It's a discipleship issue. And as you continue to grow in this area of love and connection with Christ, as you've been impacted by him, you will find yourself giving more to him through your finances. Now, if you're giving a tithe, if you're considered giving above and beyond opportunities. Now, I just told you that Paul was going around you know, to these churches the second time and collecting this offering. Right? He's going to, to, to make sure he's going to take this, this special offering you know, to the, back to the church in Jerusalem. Now, understand this. People read this passage and it says this. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. And people use that to be like, see, I shouldn't give unless I am giving joyfully. This is above and beyond do you understand that? This isn't the one that we say, well, I'm only going to give when I feel like giving. No, no. There's already an expectation of the church in Corinth that they were giving 10% to the church. Paul was coming into their city asking for an additional offering to be taken that he would gather and then take to the church in Jerusalem. And so he's challenging them, not just in the obvious nature of the first century church and tithing, but here's an above and beyond opportunity. And above and beyond opportunities, please make sure that your heart's involved. Please make sure just because I'm asking doesn't mean you should do it. You need to seek the Lord and do it with joy. That's what he's saying there, which leads us you know, to this idea of uh, the last one. If you're giving above and beyond, then consider a life of true generosity. Now, this next passage, I hate it. Just going to be honest with you because it challenges the crud out of me. In Mark chapter 12, verse 41, Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple and watched as the crowds dropped their money. <laughs> Think about this. God is watching people give, and he's watching their giving in a place of worship called the temple. Awkward, right? He's staring. You know, imagine for a second that we got one of our worship people and we handed out those buckets and they just watched you. As you get, mm, you know, it just it would just feel weird. But that's what Jesus is doing. He's just kind of checking out what's happening. He says, many rich people put in large amounts. How do we know? Jesus is watching. He's paying attention to what's happening. Then a poor widow came and dropped in two small coins. And Jesus is like, guys, you got to check this out. So he calls his rest of his disciples to do what? Watch what the woman is doing. And he says this, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions, for they gave a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, has given everything that she had to live on. Amen. Now I, and Jesus is not saying, give everything until you're homeless. That's not what he's saying. 
He's not saying don't have savings. He's not saying don't love other people. Don't provide for your kids. You're overreading the passage there. What he is saying is that can we get to a point where generosity becomes a lifestyle? Can we get to a point where, you know what, whenever an opportunity that comes that God puts on my heart, even though it's going to cause me to put trust in him because I may not know where exactly where those resources are going to come from, I'm going to give because he has prompted me, not because I have to, but because he has impacted my life and I get to impact others, other people's lives. And as they're being impacted, guess who gets blessed the most? That's how it works. It's for your benefit that you and I get a chance to give. Now, if you think, because I know, whether you're watching online or other, otherwise, if you think that this is all about me or the church trying to manipulate you to get your money, because it's always, I know what this is really about, Dan. This is about getting my money. Give to another church. It, it's not about the money. It's about what God wants to do in you and what God wants to do through you, through his church, which he set up, and his kingdom, and all the opportunities that we have locally, internationally, and other places. Here's the next step. How is God calling you to be impacted by him and to impact his kingdom with the resources that he provides? How is God calling you to be impacted by him and to impact his kingdom with the resource, resources that he provides? Uh, I want to close this time with a video from Kristen, who really everything that we've just talked about, it's one thing for us to know it. It's another thing for us to experience it. And here's what I know in my life. I'm not asking you to do anything that I've not done in my own life. And I can tell you how blessed I have been and the impact that it's made in my faith, because it's not about finances, as I entrust myself to God and then give even above and beyond that for whatever he's calling to do, because I'm not motivated out of guilt. I'm not motivated even out of obligation. I'm motivated because I have been impacted by Christ. And I believe you have too. And what an opportunity that we have to impact others for all eternity. Check out this video from Kristen now. Started going to Valley Your Life a few months ago, and about the same time, I had an issue arise with one of my teeth. The dental issue spiraled out of control over the course of a few months to the point where I was sent to a specialist in April, and they said they could fix the problem, but it was gonna cost about $2,500 out of pocket, and I did not have $2,500 to spend on a tooth. I was in church on a Thursday night and just heard the Lord so clearly say, Kristen, it's time to start tithing. And I said, no, it's not time to start tithing. This is the worst possible time. And I had recently decided VRL was going to be home. And God said, if this is your home, you need to start giving. And I went home from church that night and couldn't stop thinking about it. And God kept saying, you need to give. It's time. And he was gentle, but he was persistent. And I was stubborn and persistent and said, no, I have nothing left to give and I have no way to come up with the money. The next morning, he just so clearly said, I know you have nothing left to give, but you need to trust me. And I said, okay, I, I will trust you. So I went online and gave for the first time with the online bill pay that Friday morning. And Monday morning came first thing and my friend texted me out of the blue and said she wanted to help pay for this dental bill. And I explained to her that I was very grateful for her offer and that I was waiting to hear back from my dentist. Told her if they didn't help, I would be glad to accept her generous offer. And 10 minutes later, my dentist's office called me and said, hey, 
We don't want you to have this financial burden in addition to all the pain you've already been through. We want to cover the entire bill for you. God is just so good and He knows our needs before they even come up and He loves us so much that He wants to take care of those needs and He just wants us to trust Him. I was so focused on the problem that I was completely forgetting to trust the Lord, but God was so faithful and pushed through my stubbornness and my feelings of hesitancy to give, and He will do whatever it takes to remind us that we can trust Him. Now I'm giving joyfully from every paycheck, and I'm so thankful for all the different ways God is providing for me and showing up, and He's just reminding me that when we obey Him and we trust Him, He will meet all of our needs and meets us in that place. And I'm so confidently resting in the arms of Jesus, knowing that He's got me and He's taking care of everything. And when all the dust settled on all of this, I felt like He just said, what if you hadn't obeyed me? Look at what you would have missed.